You are listening to Is There an Echo in Here? A podcast about Echo and the Bunnymen. Five months later, everyone, we are back with another episode. But I mean, what is time? Time is an illusion. Uh, it's weird. Yeah, here we are back in. Uh, we're back in Asheville we're now. Back. Did we tell y'all we weren't in Nashville? <laughs> well, now we're back here, okay? Back. There's been a lot going on. There's so much that goes on. And in, in the intro, I always want to talk about it. But then by the time the episode comes out, so much has happened. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, like we got. A global pandemic, okay. We've got... <laughs> got... There's just a lot going on, y'all. Um, Trump I hope sending every... the military to, to American cities, cities to yeah. attack people. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, how's everyone doing? Y'all okay? Here's something I want to say right at the top is um, if anyone has written us a letter, please forgive me because I'm the corresponder for not writing you back. Um, what I would like to do with everyone's permission, cause we got like the most amazing and epic few letters this past month and a half, two months, three months, whatever, <laughs> since the troubles began. Yeah. And so we, um, we're going to get back in an episode. We would love to respond to some things next episode. So if you haven't heard from me, that's why I'm keeping it fresh. Um, but just you know. chill to the next episode. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I don't know. You know, this is a long one, I think. It's a pretty long episode. and So we're so going to make it quick here. We're going to make it quick. I'm going to say that this is another poorly researched episode um, full of incorrect and incomplete information. And that's just how we like it. We just make... We just do things wrong so you'll write us and correct well, yeah. us. Well, yeah, it's just a springboard, though, for improvisation. You know, we just need, uh, we just need like, some touch points, and then we go. We fill it in. You yeah, know, we're we like ascertain. students of the bunny gods, and, like, we, we need corrections. Like, that's how we learn. We no, but there is this intuitive aspect to this whole universe of bunnymen dumb yeah, that is, like, not supposed to be... It's like Agent Cooper throwing, you know, like the the rock at the at the bottle, you know, like getting close to the truth. If it, you know, like the closer the rock hits to the bottle, then closer to the truth we are, you know. That's that. that's that's a logical way of just learn figuring something out. And that's this is a logical episode, and I tell you, um, <laughs> full of facts and <laughs> numbers, figures, and, and oh, just. You're going to... Minutia. You're going to learn something. Honestly, when I listen back at this episode, when I listen back at it, I just feel like we're just like basically gossiping and just wondering, who is this guy? He said what? You know, I'm like reading news headlines while we record. I'm just, we're distracted we were already full of excuses. Now we're full of more. This was supposed to be the last episode also. Or okay. That is to say the previous one. But we decided after our conversation with Peter Allen that 
since like probably more bunny fans came on board to check us out we didn't want to be like the fall yeah. people yeah i think a lot of people are looking forward to this episode though the fall and, um yeah i think a lot <laughs> and I hope a lot they're of people. not disappointed lots of people are <laughs> um oh. yeah and i many all i want to say just about you know the world and where we're at and just like black lives matter y'all black lives matter that is i mean that's a reason to stay alive and work for some kind of goodness and hope in the world. Okay. And now, welcome to the wild, wonderful world of <laughs> The Fall. So anyway, this episode is long-awaited, and I hope that you are not disappointed. Um, you won't really be. Do. You we won't aim, be. You and won't we aim to please, because, you know, it's a hard time for everybody. So let's just do this. Let's just get it started. Let's take the plunge. Dive into the fall. Fall into the fall. The piece of wool plugs out on our history. On all of mystery, yeah. Things that shouldn't be. I'm searching for. The book by, what's his face? That is the inspiration, Camus. <laughs> Albert Camus. <laughs> Albert Camus. Now, which Camus. one was that? Was Al- that about Albert the one Camus. where he... It was like in Amsterdam, and it was all... It's he really, kills someone, he feels guilty. It's like he, a telltale heart It's written in like the second person also, which is weird. So it's all like you, you okay. kind of thing. From yeah, right. I read it. Right, I know it's like where uh, Camus the killing an Arab inspiration. That's right. Yeah, that's for right. Robert Smith. It was you know it was the thing. That's the, the stranger. Into. Yeah. So the fall. This is my favorite of Ian McCulloch's influences. Oh. You know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, More than Bowie. Yes. That More is than true. Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hell yeah. Okay, well, (laughs) like musically speaking. (laughs) Musically speaking, yeah. Um, So in the research I did for for this episode, I want to say consisted of me watching two documentaries about them um, because I don't have the brain space to read books. So I just did like two documentaries. Okay. But here's what I want to say about the fall from like a personal on a personal level. Yeah. As a kid, like a little kid, like 13, I had this jean jacket. It was like a denim jacket. And in seventh grade, I started writing the names of bands I liked on it with a permanent marker. And when I was a kid, the first thing I wrote on it, the biggest letters on the back was the fall. Okay. And it wasn't because I was like a super sophisticated 13-year-old. I think that anyone who hears them can kind of feel that they eclipse all other bands in coolness somehow. Hmm. The Sex Pistols, hey, you know what? The Ramones, I said it. That's right. 
uh, all those, you know, punk bands. Yeah, like in, in a, realness. Cause I'm, what is it? What is it about them that is so cool? Well, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but wasn't Marky oh, Smith kind of a kind of an asshole to everybody or something? Yeah, so like, I've been really like trying to track kind of his his persona, his thing. Because there's a certain a amount of ass asshole. kissing that goes on in like the music business yes, when you sell out or whatever, and so oh, yeah. like that, that's the way I feel about like especially like the whole like indie rock scene now i yes. feel like it's just it's like all people do is kiss Pay each other's ass it's crit it's ridiculous but i feel like that, then there's these bands like like for me it's my impression is the fall like no attempt to do that whatsoever zero well yeah maybe i don't know maybe they tried and uh, that, that is yeah my, that was my impression too though yes yeah. and they had a song actually and i remember because recently i was kind of like listening to one of their albums and and the song was basically talking about what I was just saying, which is that like everyone's like an ass kisser on the scene and like totally. how like the scene's just a bunch of bullshit or something. Yeah. 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 If I were envy of the music scene, part of the Tuesday scene, envy of the music scene. So let's just say about his early life. This is a band from Manchester. Yeah. Um, we touched on it in the last episode that this is a sister city um, right. to Liverpool. There's a railroad that connected them. They're like right next to each other. Okay. One's a little bigger. Okay. And perhaps more sophisticated city in some ways. Mm. Liverpool is the port city. Manchester is the manufacturing center of like northern England. Right. I understand. The Liverpool, uh, they, the football teams is that where Sting's are rivals. From? Sting's from Newcastle. Okay. And is that in the south? I forget where that is. Never mind. I don't know a damn thing. Let's go on. <laughs> we got to locate Sting within this. <laughs> <laughs> we can get our bearings, right? So, Mark Edward Smith, born the 5th of March. Mm. Okay. Mm. Um, mm. He mm. he grew up in this place called Preston. Okay, he was okay. born, and you know it's all important for the British people, in Broughton, Salford. I'm gonna say Salford. Broughton. What the hell? Hmm. Broughton. Exactly. Broughton. Mm-hmm. Send your corrections. <laughs> <laughs> we say Bruton. Bruton Salford. Brofton. Is it B R U O U G H? T-O-N. Yeah, it sure yeah. is. Broughton. <laughs> he, um, um, oh, his grandfather, James Brownhill, uh-huh. um, was involved in the Dunkirk evacuation. Dunkirk evacuation. Mm. So he has like these, these, you know, parents, grandparents who were in the wars and stuff, and he's like a working class okay. guy. Okay. Now his dad... Apparently, I, this is part of the interview that like I, I couldn't make out, but he would bring him to work with him, I think, from the age of six. If he had a holiday from school, he would be going to work with his dad. Okay. Now, I could be making that up. This is what I heard Okay. with my ear because I couldn't understand what he All was right. saying. Yeah. Okay. Bring um, your son to work day. Yeah. just bring, At the factory. <laughs> yeah, and I couldn't What hear, kind of factory? I couldn't hear what he was saying. Yeah, oh, and it he doesn't was talking say about he, this? he was talking about it, but I couldn't understand what he was saying. What's his accent? Oh, man. I, well, you know how it is in his songs, but it's not that enunciated. Yeah. When he's speaking, it's weird these it's, British singers. Mm, I mean, you can't understand what this guy is saying Listen, for me, for an American. What connection do they have to Ian? Okay. And the bunny. Okay, one? okay. Here's how they met. 
so that we know yeah yeah going into this okay if we're gonna deep dive this band yeah, i want to i want to know Smith? like okay he's like two years older than ian okay he's like he's he's 20 ian's 18 okay okay so he's not that much older but that's but, a big time difference at that time it is you're when you're like oh uh, the 20 year old exactly yeah he's like man he you know in america it's like you can legally drink you're 21 yeah i'm friends with you so he is a man he's in a manchester band and marky smith who it, you know hates everyone who is is very uh, he's just venomous that's what they said i mean right here in the article took a liking to ian mcculloch ian mcculloch and julian cope would follow them around and be their roadie and stuff when they would play out of town they loved the fall okay Ian McCulloch, I mean, his passion for this band, um, it's, it was really, really important. All right, I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. Mm-hmm. The fall in the year, what, 1976, mm-hmm. needed roadies? I don't, yeah, I feel like that's what they said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That word gets thrown around quite I know, a bit, this is like... It? But I think it's like this thing where, what is that? Is Associate? That, what is that word you've been using? My contemporary or something? Oh, my colleague. My colleague. It's <laughs> <laughs> a way of yeah. saying, you know, my fan that yeah. traveled with me. Right. Because they're like, oh, roadie. I mean, because a roadie technically to me means someone they who's like. They your guitar and like. Yeah, and they, like, they load your, your shit onto the stage and they you fill up the, load the van on the way out. A merch person works the table at the merchandise but I'm, I don't thing. think that like the, the, the fall ever warranted roadie, right? Hmm. Did the fall, like, maybe they had like a tour manager Did they warrant them. a hang? At some Did point. Did they have a friend? Yeah, they're hanging out, but exactly. I just mean they're not, they don't have like a road crew. Well, they're not playing the what arena. What about the '80s? That yeah, they always were in small clubs. True. I mean, they. Can but they might they, have like mm-hmm. someone with them. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they brought their Ian own sound engineer and, and stuff. Who knows? I don't know. Like I'm just asking. I just think when they when they when. Well, he is talking. meticulous. He wants yeah. things to sound a certain yeah, way. Yeah. So I wonder what sound check was like with him. Mm-hmm. He is, you know, unlike Ian. Like I think very very hands on and a leader. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Okay, but apparently he never, and I researched this like a year ago, he never had a disparaging thing to say about Ian McCulloch. Their relationship seems completely uh, harmonious and full of mutual admiration. And I think that speaks volumes um, about Ian McCulloch's street cred and... These two men, I mean, they are really, I think, deeply bonded. They see one another, and I guess what I'm saying is Ian McCulloch is tough enough to hang out and command the respect of Marky Smith, Mm -hmm. who hates everyone and everything in a way. Now, right? That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh... (laughs) I, uh... (laughs) I, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know what I so it's, I always love it when I kind of zone out of the conversation and then I zone back in after hearing like something and then I'm like, wait a second, let me stop you right there. 
There's no way this band has I'm like, I'm talking to It was like, wah, 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 wah. And then they were roadies for him. And I'm like, no, they weren't. It's not because you're not really interesting. It's just, it's like I have ADD. But what were you thinking about? We're doing this meditation app. Next time I feel you zoning out, I'm going to ask you to I'm gonna try to catch your thought. Okay? What, so let me turn thought? it on a little more. Encapsulate that thought. <laughs> um, okay. So, mm, can't understand. I'm like, oh, wait, well, I need to participate <laughs> in this. And Okay. So, so he works. So he talks about how he works 18 hours a day. He's a worker. Work, Marky work, Smith work. does? Yep. On his music? <laughs> meanwhile i'm watching him give this interview and he's going on and on about how he works so hard he's holding the drink that's like smoking a cig yeah Yeah, that's that's part of his work you know that is totally counts those in his hours i people who think they work more than other people they've done studies people everyone works about the same amount Uh now i think there are like at a job or you mean like as a Artist or what? I think that like if you put someone in a room and say work on this, everyone has about the same capacity of attention. Everyone, I think if I think there's a study, I gotta find it. Okay, okay. About how you just kind of everyone does. But Marky Smith works 18 hours a day (laughs) on his lyrics. lyrics. Uh, Well, and being himself, just being it's he he is a job. He is a job, but he's not like a personality. Like he has a strong personality, but he's not waving his personality around okay you know he's not mingling yeah. he is he i think he is just yelling at the band for yeah. 18 hours a day for as long as he can mm-hmm. because there were long practices from what i understand to have that very nonchalant carefree sound you know which was so when ian when they bunnyman had their first show you know one of the things that Kay carroll yelled at him about who we'll be talking about in a moment, is that, you know, Ian, you can't just get up there. It's not that easy. You can't just get up there and, like, feel the music and expect anything good to come out. You have to, like, drill. Yeah. And, like, the reason Mark, I mean, the reason the fall sound amazing is because they actually practice. Mm-hmm. She was proven wrong at their first show. And Oh, Ian, know, about Ian? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> about, this, you know, about yeah, well, not being able to stand yeah, up Some there. people just got it, you know. <laughs> Isn't that the thing? Yeah, and you know, I mean, yeah. It just, it does something different to your art when you work versus not work. I tell you. You think about the fall, like, that's the thing about them is that it is about as, you know, rough sounding as it could be. And yet, there is a very definite structure to those songs. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you're going to have... It's going to be on a dime somehow. Somehow you can feel the practice. He says, he says this thing in the documentary, work, it's not about socialism to him. It's about work. You put people to work for the sake of working, you see the light in their eyes, he says. He likes to give people a job. And then I think he likes to yell at them. Uh-huh. I'm better working again. Walk down the road in the sun. I make a pattern of body strong game. But I think there's a mechanistic sound to their music. Okay, how so? That's interesting. Well, in the in the kind of it's like repetitive nature. It's almost like I want to say like 
precursor to like no wave or something or is it would it be considered at all part of the no wave movement you know definitely i feel like it's kind of like a defining band to me i'm just saying that i mean i think that so paul morley in this documentary do you know him he's that um british guy he was like a music critic it's so funny because he he, if you know the cure you know yeah him but you might not but anyway he talks about how he has a really commercial sound because at the end of the day it's about the attack right and it's about the rhythm and that's the thing is okay and another thing can i just jump in and say that tony wilson says um that this is more attitude than music can i just talk about this real quick sure to me there's something haunting and beautiful about this music that is consistent. Mm-hmm. This guy leading the band who yeah. can't play a single instrument. He doesn't know an A from an E. He cannot sing. I, I got to cue up this thing where he's talking about learning to sing for you. Cause but you he know. doesn't much sing is what I was going to say also. Exactly. He doesn't sing. Doesn't sing. Yeah, he doesn't play music. But somehow he creates the sound. Yeah. It's always the same. Yeah. And it's beautiful. <laughs> definitely creates a, an aura i know and he is john peels the fall is his favorite band oh huh. interesting yeah you got to consider this band people feel very strongly about it you know yeah and i i feel like it's kind of a practical matter for marky e. smith putting these people to work you know never working with famous people never collaborating Sharing all of his wealth for the most part. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I had thought about doing the entire part about the fall in his voice. Man, talk about an isolated, isolating tracks. Because we were listening to Eddie Van Halen isolated tracks. Oh, David Lee Roth. Sorry. David Lee Roth singing. Isolated vocal track. To what? What was that? Running with the devil. Running with the... Oh. But anyway... They, in one of these documentaries, you can hear him just singing without the music. Yeah. Can you just imagine? We'll play a clip. Okay, this is him talking about singing. Okay, see what you think of this. My singing is getting very good, actually. It's all on a bus. I'm getting really good at singing. After 20 fucking five hours. <laughs> no, I really am. Yeah, so what do you what do you think about Yeah, I'm getting good too. (laughs) (laughs) Damn straight. Yeah. All right. All right, let's hear some David Lee Ron. I'm gonna find some Paul though sing. Wait, here it is. Let me show you. Can I do this? Yeah. All right. Ooh. Sounds great. <laughs> Got to throw that David Lee Roth in there too. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay, this is David Lee Roth's isolated vocal track. <laughs> oh, 
right. All right. I want to meditate on that. <laughs> so, all right. So we're going to give a little rundown of the fall, okay? Okay. So y- you separate all the different phases of the fall by the women who are in the band. They kind of define the band and the different periods, okay? Women played a huge role in, like, he would bring them into his band and yeah. stuff. Why? Thank you, Marky Smith. Yeah. There's <laughs> women in this pod that we're going to talk about. Yeah, you know, because, oh. you know, Marky Smith, he's such an asshole, but God, like, I mean. And he, he likes the ladies. He likes hey, the ladies. who could blame him? Okay. And he'll, he'll actually pick up an instrument alongside one. I mean, wow. it, is, it is astounding. Incredible. Now, remember, these are the days of, like, the binary, you know, the. <laughs> Adam and Eve. Oh, yeah, you know where it's... The yin and the yang. <laughs> Go ahead. The wee-wee oh. and the hoo-hoo. Uh-huh. The schmeckle and the cho-cha. <laughs> all, right. all right. All right, let's get it together here. All right. First, Una Baines, all right? Um, she was his friend who sat around with him and wrote poetry and stuff, Okay. Okay. They read books together with their other friends like Lovecraft oh. and, you know, Camus and Malcolm Lowry. Do you know Malcolm? I don't know if I do. I'm not going to look it up. Okay. And he would hang out with this group of people and they would do what kids do all over the world is they would kind of play a little music and mm-hmm. recite poetry. And they would read their poetry and it kind of turned into lyrics, okay? Yeah. And so then he was like, he, Marky Smith, would kind of... You know, create these songs. Apparently, he was listening to Iggy Pop. He was listening to some... Uh, he had big ears. They listened to a lot of garage band from the 60s. You know, yeah. that Northern Soul, I'm sure, that, like, Roger Eagle was playing. Okay. Yeah. So they're coming I wonder up. if they were into, like, Captain Beefheart and Can and stuff. Definitely were. You know. De- like, they seem like a clear descendant of Captain Beefheart, if mm-hmm. anyone. The Buzzcocks road manager, Richard Boone, discovered them, okay? Discovered the fall. The fall, because they were playing around, you know, like amongst themselves, like teenagers do, and jamming out, and then they saw the Sex Pistols, and they are like, I can do it too, and they went out there and started waving their dicks around, and then KK, so... Bloop, blah, bleep, bloop, okay, blah. next thing you know, you're on the road. <laughs> yeah, and so got, it was a very egalitarian band. At the time, he seemed very earnest. Like, if I see interviews then, I'm like, oh, there is a person inside of him that is emo and sensitive. Yeah. He says in interviews, in the early interviews, he wants to communicate something to the world, but he falls down. You know, he says this thing, like, it's all epic, teenagery thing in one of their early interviews. Uh-huh. And, you know, he's failing at communicating, but he wants to. Oh. <laughs> I think. Okay. Okay. 
So Una Bain seems really cool and really trippy and kind of soft, okay? okay? So she just has this really kind of gentle, arty vibe, okay? Mm-hmm. And so she introduces um, Mark to, <laughs> to this lady named Kay Carroll. I've okay? heard of her. That's right. She has spoken to Ian McCulloch on the phone before his first show. Oh. She is his manager. She becomes his manager. And Marky Smith's manager. Yes, this woman, Kay Carroll, who is apparently, she is scary. Yeah. And you can watch footage of her just yelling at a club owner or somebody yeah. for some money. On the phone. Just, I've seen that footage. Yeah. I mean, it's, I know I showed it to you. I was like, look at this. This is what you need. <laughs> it's not me. And Una Baines and the original members were like, this isn't, Fall doesn't have a manager, man. This is dumb. Yeah. Some of them leave. Oh. Okay, so now he's with Kay, and he's writing music, and she's playing keyboards sometimes, and there's another phase of the fall, okay? And then there's a lot of tension. Things kind of suck. Everybody's grumpy. And so Kay Carroll books them an American tour, and while he's on that tour, he breaks up with Kay Carroll somehow. I don't know. And then he meets Bricks. Bricks? Yeah. Like B-R-I-X? Yep. Really? Yes. That's good. You knew. Do they like, call her Brie? I think they call her Bricks. Okay. That's part okay. of why it's cool. If you're not going to come up with like a less cool front. Maybe it's Brice. Brie. Brie? I like the silent X, personally. So she, she's really, she's an American, okay? All right. She's this American blonde american girl she was an american girl yep so there is kind of like a bit of a trope a bit of a stereotype about the american girlfriend in the british band Mm. you know that can play out and just girlfriends and bands so annoying and i hate that whole thing you know people yoko broke up the band and the whole Good. Yeah. It, exactly. Good. I mean, it's sacrilege. She, she didn't, yeah. but you know what? Yeah. Lennon's best work was with Yoko Ono. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I expect to get emails about that. I wonder. I wonder if we can all agree on that at this point. Maybe in this uh, crew. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. Or maybe. Anyway, but, you know, that narrative. So I'm watching the documentaries that I mentioned over and over again, which is the only thing my brain can handle outside of news. And I'm like, you know, here comes this woman, Briggs, who I'd kind of read about. And, you know, The Fall, by the way, their their catalog, in some cases, to some people, can be divided between pre-Briggs, Briggs, post-Briggs, you know, which would be the 90s and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she's, you know, this important figure. And so I'm watching this documentary. So... You know, you hear about this girl coming on the scene and she's like American and, you know, all of a sudden she's there and she kind of is like, and the other members of the band, you would think that the band, once she joined, would be like, man, this sucks. He's got a new girlfriend. Now she's in the band. This is going to mess up our whole vibe. But no, that is not what happened. Whenever the band members start to talk about the time when, when Bricks joined the band, you know, they're 
their faces light up. There's this sense of relief that comes over them. Because they had the American tour started, it yeah. sucked. It was heavy. Yeah. Everyone was miserable. And then Bricks joins, and next thing you know, it's just like a magical experience. Wow. And you know, the fall, by the way, their their catalog in some cases, to some people, can be divided between pre bricks, bricks, post bricks, you know, which would be the nineties and stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that was his most successful period of time she also kind of had a what they said in the documentary a different work ethic where she is more interested in money and fame all right and he starts getting his clothes together and they start getting a little bit of fame huh. in that 80s scene in that no wave okay. kind of way yeah he does some music for a ballet and things are going really well for him. Wow. Yep. And he really seems to love her, you know, like um in an interview, he's they're like this is hard to be in a relationship. He's like, "Well, we're not just like celebrities where you're just like here today, gone tomorrow, superficial relationship. You know, we're in this for the long haul." Right. But they broke up too. Yeah. And he must have know, been real hard to <laughs> Hard to handle. Yeah, you know, or, well, people said that Kay Carroll is scarier than him. But I'm like, would not fucks with him, you know? Yeah. So, wait a second. They're on the American tour. Yep. They meet Bricks. Where? That I don't know. I don't know those finer details. Okay. But I'm, they're probably and she just hops in, on in Mick Middles. She's with them, like just, there she she's in the band. Now. Suddenly she's like they met her and she's in the band. Okay, okay. On the tour, I do know some things. I do know some things. So, um, she was a fan of his. Got it. She's in her own band. Okay. And she goes to see him play, uh-huh. and afterwards they're hanging out at the same place. I don't know where. There's a there's a video online that I watched, and um, she said I I love your music so much, but I can't understand what you're saying. Uh huh. And he said, okay, well we can talk about that after the show or later. Or something. Oh, okay. And smooth. Um. So they they do indeed talk about you know his lyrics and stuff like oh what does gosh. it mean? And then he. <laughs> He says, she's like, I'm in a band too, you know. And he's like, well, let me hear you play, I think. I think. Uh-huh. If memory serves. And so she picks up an instrument. Yeah. And she picks up a guitar, maybe. Uh-huh. But then she play ba- bass in the other band. Anyway. And he was like, okay, you are, you are, you have a musical voice. You have something to say. Yeah. Like, maybe he kicked somebody out and just brought her in. I don't know. Wow. Like mid-tour, though? I think it's mid tour whoa america okay and where where is she living at the time you know he just, and she's just like ready to go and she was ready to go perfect just, uh, it was it was they were kind of like soulmates and she doesn't seem like a sucker so i have to believe that he's kind of like cooler than he seems that's yeah, my theory about yeah. him is he's like, nicer than you think i don't know maybe so yeah you know but she <laughs> so she you know, they divorced and... She might um, also just be like very 
just super cool. Like some people That's like who I just don't talk shit. Though, you know what I mean? Like I'm just going to like. Uh, no, I feel like she was like, he is a great artist of our time. And she talked about like, I don't know, the the connection between the muse and the artists and yeah. how the importance of the muse. It was fascinating. That's oh my cool. God, just to hang out with her all night, I bet. So here's a story of her hanging out. So she is going along and then whatever guitarist of Hole, I can't remember. Um <laughs> Left the band or... Oh, you don't know him off the time? No, oh, is okay. that he... Yeah, anyway. She, sorry. So um. she was recruited to be the guitarist in Hole. Oh, okay. Which seems so interesting because... She joined Hole? Yeah, for a night. Oh. For one night, hmm. she was in Hole and she hung out with Courtney Love. And here's how classy she is. She did not say one unkind word. She said... Courtney Love is a wonderful, intelligent, fascinating person or something, you know, as she's recalling this night she spent with Courtney. Huh. So she gets a call from Marky Smith that night or like the next day. Uh-huh. Like she hung out all night, parted down. So yeah, then Marky Smith calls her and is like, we need you to come back to the fall. Please. We we need you, your presence, your voice. It's important. Come back. And she chose to reunite with the fall. And here's, you know, I think I mentioned this at the top. I can't remember. But she and Steve Hanley are still in a band together. That is so cute, I think. That is her bass player from, you know, he's like my favorite memories. One, he's been there pretty much from the beginning. And, and like, they're still friends. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So Bricks and the Extricated, that's the band she's in with Steve Hanley and Paul Hanley, Um, and they're still putting out albums and stuff, you know? She also had a band with another ex-Fall member named Simon Rogers, who is a guitarist. Do you know who that is? Nope. Okay. I wonder because he's a guitarist. You know? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. He went to some Royal Academy maybe or, huh. or something in England, but he... Um, For guitar? He produced some Peter Murphy albums. I have a student who like is like, like a historian of all this shit. Oh, yeah. Ask him if he knows Simon Rogers. I'm, I'm sure he would. Should I text him right now? Yeah, it's important. I want to say real quick, too, the name is Bricks Smith Start. Bricks Start. She kept the Smith. So she has an additional name that is like her her name. What's the guitarist's name? Simon Rogers of the Fall. I'm going to just throw it. This guy, it seems he knows so much. Produced Peter Murphy. All right. That's all I, I, got. I, you There's know, I'm going to try to give him little, very little information, and see what he comes back with. All right, that's a, that's a. So good. I wrote, all this I wrote, guy is our guy, man. I have a student teaching, taking lessons from guitar. I teach guitar, anyway. So anyone listening <laughs> uh, wants to get, get guitar lessons, I'll teach you any song. Yeah, you anyone, don't get commercials, much. but you know, we're going to let you know that Shane. I do, uh, mm-hmm. that anyway. But he knows all about all this whole scene, like better than. Definitely better than I do. He's like he's like a historian of it. Anyway, so I'm just his name's uh, John Starling, and I'm gonna write. Do you know a guitarist named Simon Rogers? It's 11:15 p.m. Let's see if he comes back with anything. Okay. 
a moment has passed. Whoa. And he says... Like a literal moment. Like literal less than one minute. That was... He said, hmm, that name sounds familiar. Well, it's a pretty common name. Okay. Let's give him just one more clue. Okay. Uh, in the fall. Because that's probably what he's least known for. Well, wait, he's already... He's, he's writing something. Oh. oh. Before I wrote him back, he wrote... From the fall, question oh, mark? Oh, damn. Okay. I mean, I know that's probably, maybe this guy is more famous, like the Simon Rogers, but like, I feel like this guy's pretty encyclopedic. Who? Your friend. John, he John is Star- encyclopedic. Uh-huh. John Starling. I told him you win the prize. All right. So. He's writing back something. Oh, wow. He's the one from This Nation's Saving Grace. Okay. I know what I'm re-listening to tomorrow. Okay. I'm going to tell him what we're doing. I mean, the fact that there's just so many members of The Fall, I guess I feel like they are so... like I, I mean, obviously, I'm not even talking about any of them, except for the members that define the periods and, and Paul Hanley. All right. I'm going to check that and out. And Steve Hanley. Paul and Steve Hanley. Now I gotta listen to that album tomorrow as well. I'm gonna put it on my little list. Anyway, John says that he's also got a prodigious composing resume for TV and whatnot. TV, I was going to say. That's yeah. like, um, what were we just listening to? The Fall, This this Nation's Saving Grace. That's such a pretty melody. and I and Well, that's I the Doodoo Brown. It's always the Doodoo Brown. <laughs> when, do tell. One, it's like, it's like in a minor key. It's like one flat six, five. So it's like, up. Oh, so. I wonder like, if anybody outside of Florida, does anyone know about Doodoo Brown? So Doodoo Brown goes like this. You guys, <laughs> here's the. Wait, we have to find wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. Doodoo Brown. But then it's. Yeah. That's the song we were just listening to. And that's many songs. Oh, it's a million, billion songs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like. Does it. Listener. Outside of Florida. Do you know of a song called Doodoo Brown? Cue up some Doodoo Brown on your phone, please. All right. Yeah. Doodoo. All right. This was on every radio 24-7. I'm like wondering, like, all those things. Do you know this song? Like... Everybody knows the song. I mean, it's so iconic. I feel like I brought it up to people, and they're like, I don't do around. Stop. Everybody on the floor just pause. Somebody in the middle just move. Get on down to the groove. Doodle Brown. Brown, the brand new brother in town. Yeah, boy. You could do so much. Keep going. Oh. I'm about to sing over it. <laughs> Doodoo Brown. But they changed keys. Oh. Oh, but now they're back. Doodoo Brown. <laughs> Doodoo Brown. Holy Doo-doo shit. Brown. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now who is, you know, let's give credit where credit's due. Who is 
Doodoo Brown by? Doodoo Brown is by the artist called Two Hyped Brothers and a Dog. Okay. Two hyped brothers and two hyped brothers and hyped a dog. brothers okay. and a dog. That's awesome. What I'm gonna yeah, that's great. I'm gonna Is there you know, I kind of feel like they only did Doodoo Brown, but now Well, they have two albums on the Spotify. Um in nineteen ninety one they released um Ya Rollin' Doodoo. And in ninety six they released uh the Doodoo Project. It's cool. That's good. That song that's like their hit, you know. Well, what are their chord progressions? We're going to be talking about that song again, you, ladies and gentlemen. Two hyped brothers and a dog? Yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about, because of that chord progression. That is a common chord. That movement. Echo and the Bunnymen use, you They said. use it as well, yeah. So we're going to be, you're going to be hearing that song again. Please, they all I want it, you to no, write I'm me about you, is, do y'all know this song? Does anyone else know this song? Because I have asked many people, and I feel like so many people are like, I don't know what you're talking it's about. It's at the end of, um. Oh, is it in a movie? No, it's no, uh, the the Echo and the Bunnyman song. Oh. That's like uh what is it? Um let me think, hold on, I'd be like uh Ah. Uh, oh yeah, it's the show of strength. Show of end of show, show of strength is also doo brown. What's Where that? Sing it, how's it go? A show oh, yeah. of strength is all there it is. Want. You can never set it down. Never set down. And then you ready for it? Here we go. <laughs> Doody Brown. Dude, we got to do a mashup of show of strength. And then we're on. We're doing it right now. We, oh, yeah, we are doing it. <laughs> yeah, we, I need the lyrics to show of strength. I've forgotten it. Let me get out my trusty turquoise days. I think we made, we made our point. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talk about wonderful and frightening world of fall right now how much we were done. how much do i no we have a whole half of a episode to do what this is like the fall halfway. episode yeah we are halfway through in this moment we're still going yeah i gotta tell you about something yes. okay we're only at one frightening and wonderful world we haven't hit the 90s we haven't talked about ian you are settling oh. settle on in now listen all right I love that album. I I mean, I hear Slang King and I like cry. I can mm. feel myself back on the moors. Why now? Because <laughs> I listened. That's all I hear in my head. Why <laughs> Set down is Listen, that album, y'all, is everything. When I got, when I went to England with my dad, when he was teaching college, I got drug over there when Hell I was 16. Hell on earth. <laughs> Except. It, it, y'all, it was dark. But I had a, 
Wonderful and Frightening World, and I had a Lena Lita Husick tape. Which one? The, the uh, Hunt for Red Emma. The Return of Red Emma. The Return for of Red Emma. Nobody knows that. No one knows that. So if you're listening, and you know that, write oh, us a letter. And and if you don't, go listen to it. Go listen to Lita, Lita Husick. All our stuff's good, but I like uh, uh, the Return. It of is. Red. I thought so it was Hunt for Red Emma. Good stuff. Return uh, of the Return of... You're thinking of The Hunt for Red October uh, movie you. with Sean Connery <laughs> and Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Y'all, I do this podcast and I'm not good with names and places and stuff. But anyway. But that's what I'm here for. Yep. That, he, yep. Now, that album is, is a good one. Um, and I don't mean to sound like a brat about going to Europe with my dad, you know, and stuff. It was like, it was a hard time, you know, it was during my parents' divorce and stuff. It was just, you know. Yeah. And he's kind of, you know. Anyway, I just loved Wonderful and Frightening World. I, I felt like, you know, I was in, I was kind of in the West country of England Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like, (laughs) I was listening to it every day and I felt something. It encapsulated this British ambiance, yeah. this post-war, and this stifled anger, and it's kind of how I felt as a teen, you yeah. know? And then there's this, you know, this woman singing on it, and yeah. it was just, it was the best. You know? That's so cool. I disagree with Tony Wilson that there are more attitude than music. Yeah, that's just some thing. That's like that's writers will say said. whatever. Right? We've been listening to them all week, and I'm like, God, this music is. Tony beautiful. Wilson is a writer. Tony, he's he's the factory guy. He's the guy from Manchester. Oh. Who you know? The producer. Yeah, Happy Mondays, Joy right. Division. Right, right, right. He's the guy that ran Factory Records. Yeah. That that movie Party People's about. That's the one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was gonna talk some shit about a writer because I thought it was a writer for a yeah. second. <laughs> Be like writers just say whatever, and they don't, you know. But now I'm going to talk shit about label owners, and they don't know what the hell, you know. Just, I know. I'm like, are like, you listening? It's like Captain Beefheart. If romanticizing. Say, it's just a, he's just a wacky guy. Yeah. But the music is beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful you love music. the music yeah. because it's beautiful. People don't All understand music. it though. They don't understand it. Maybe and you know what? They get a feeling from it and that's as deep as it goes for them. You know what I mean? Like some people again aren't attuned to music. They're right. attuned to the lyrics or they're attuned to the attitudes. The attitude is strong, you know. Yes. And it's like so now see, I would say like the sex what's okay, what's a band that is all attitude? I would say the sex pistols mm-hmm. are that band. Yeah. I've had trouble thinking of other ones, yeah, yeah. but they're not all musical. Attitude. I would say that's that sounds about right. Um uh you would almost want to say like Gigi know, Allen. Like, Gigi Allen. Okay. No, no musical go. benefit there, there you know. Go. But right. yes. All I, just weird attitude. Now, two hype <laughs> brothers and a dog uh-huh. is kind of of that ilk. Well, I feel like I can't they're really trying gauge. to make a hit, and man, did they! Because I remember sitting in class yeah. in fifth grade when everyone came into the room, chanting "Doo Doo," just yeah, yeah, two. I'd love we should I'd love to know more about two hyped brothers and the dog because they're like the KLF of I was gonna of say that Florida maybe that'd be interesting if somewhere. they were. Um it's interesting. Yeah. They make it's such a 
funny song. Our daughter recently discovered it. They very well could have read the manual and produced that song. Although, when did that come out? Nine. And the manual came out. Around the same time. Around the same time. Mm-hmm. I, but it, it kind of almost fits the description of it the hit. Truly like this does. kitchen sink so production. Catchy, no, funny. no, I, throw like, away your musical instrument. Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there, there you go. To me, the fall isn't quite in that category. And, no. you know, and I just say, don't believe the musician when they pretend to be nonchalant. Like, I feel like he felt his music no yeah. matter what he says. Mm-hmm. And, how irreverent he was towards his own. I mean, it's, it's pretty music. Right. It's That's pretty. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Thank you. It's Thanks like, uh, it, it, yeah, it, uh, it's enchanting. Yes. And there are some songs that are just like annoying. And, scrunky, and scrunky, yeah. broken, whatever. But then, like resonance. But, yeah. But then they have this kind of, you know, you can engage it. You can enter that music. Totally. It's textural. And it's rhythmic. I yeah. mean, what else do you need? <laughs> a guy go, screaming over it, going, what? Ow. I got everything I want except money. <laughs> you know what would be really funny about the fall Let's is if you had, if, 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 if like instead of um, Marky Smith, you had Fred Thompson from the B-52s, oh, yes. like doing all the lyrics. Whoa, like, I just drew a really deep, I just drew a connection hey, you're welcome. There. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. Damn. I'm, I'm here for that's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll never think of B-52s the same way because, man, I rediscovered them recently. Uh, and mm, Phenomenal band. I mean, yeah. also beautiful, not taken seriously, just gorgeous music. Anyway. They're um, more like happy-go-lucky, you know. They are. They're more they are. approachable personality-wise than Absolute, that's the fall. That's very true. In fact, my friend waits on them regularly at the National she says they are nice as can be. Oh, they, Every they eat out in Athens? Yeah, all the time. She's, I was like, she was even keeping this from me. She, I was like, do you actually see members? She's like, yeah, all the time. Oh, like, wow. All the time. You know, during the time that um, Blix and Mark were in love, yeah. um, I wondered if like the lyrical content had changed and become more emotional. Mm. But it's very dry. And even yeah. when she's in the band... It continues to be very dry and yeah. you know unemotional in a in a traditional sense. It's not there are no love songs. I think it got more emo in the '90s, personally. Hmm. After they broke up, that 15 ways to leave your man. Um, I'm gonna have to read into those. Yeah, I've been reading some of his lyrics, and I'm like, well, it's cool. It's very consistent though, as well, and I think. You know, I think other members like participated in writing songs throughout. It's not just his words, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm just making shit up here. So anyway, we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Anyway, write us a letter. I think. Oh, this isn't part of the. Oh, I don't know where the hell we are. What time is it? Who am I? (laughs) (laughs) Shane thinks we're doing the intro all of a sudden. Time out of joint. This is like a Philip K. Dick novel. I don't know what the fuck. Because we're we're recording this in like eight different places or well two, but it feels. Who am I? Why I am? <laughs> is it? It who is me? Uh, mm. But you yeah. can write us a letter anyway. So what were we talking about? <laughs> Blicks. Bricks. I love bricks, and that's why I'm glad. He I like bricks her, too. You know, and what she play? The shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
guitar. Okay. Oh, and you should hear her talk about playing guitar. She wanted to play like as like hard as possible and her fingers would bleed. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, after a few lessons with me, we'll fix that. <laughs> <laughs> that is not optimum technique. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, I, I used to play as really hard and, and then, uh, what does that even mean? What are you doing with your finger? I guess, yeah. You're the, just like, just digging in. It's like a visceral, like gestural thing. You know, you're not really, it's not like you're, well, when you to, think about yeah. that opening guitar. And it rocks. I mean, it rocks. It's rock yeah, and roll. totally. It's not about being like some refined instrumentalist, you know. It's about just yeah. the id. When you think about Lay of the Land and that opening. Yeah. Let's put it in here right now. Yes, yeah, my favorite song by them. <laughs> about him in the 90s he had a hard time in the 90s mm. apparently okay remember him tour in america and stuff yeah i felt like uh yeah. those tours were disasters apparently he like came through town or something yeah he was really struggling with drugs and alcohol at that time and shit was just really Did you ever see him? Fan. but you know what's funny i said they said that in the documentary but i thought he was just super famous he had that song that would be on 120 minutes and I remember him being super cool in the 90s and everyone loving the fall and everybody in my high school thinking they were the shit and yeah. the college radio station. But apparently that was a difficult time for him. Um, probably just to people like locally and knew, who knew him and stuff. He was drinking a lot, doing a lot of speed, being an asshole. And apparently they went on tour in America and it did not go that well because they were like beating up each other Be, like, oh. in the band. just like. And there's footage. They're just like, I'm going to beat on... like. It, I think his bass player just starts beating the shit out of him, and then he beats him up, and they're what? Yeah, and the shows would get canceled. Were they all and, wasted or what? Yeah, I think that's the whole. I think I, that's what I've ascertained. You know, he can really hold his shit though. You yeah. know, he's like on a bunch of speed. Well, that in in itself, like people can drink more. Yeah. And then he drank. I mean, like he was made for it. Yeah. And he was tough. They said. I mean, wow. you just couldn't fuck with him. He would just keep going. Incredible. Long after he should have not been been in the bed resting. Yeah. Mm. So he went at it hard. So in the 90s, you know, but then he kind of chills out again. You know, he probably did that Saturn return thing in his 50s or whatever. Yeah. Came through, came to the other side. And then he met Elena Smith, Elena Smith. Okay. That's mm -hmm. the, the last lady. Lay of the ladies. And she... The Smiths. Um, the Smiths. <laughs> all, oh, this, yeah. all his women are the Smiths. They take his name, man. And why not? You know, it's a nice, solid, good old British name. Yeah. So, yeah, she's in the band with him now, too. And she says, you know, she's like, he's so great to work with. He doesn't differentiate between men and women. He treats us all the same. He's kind of, you know, kind of a dick. But, like, it's cool being in the fall and having a destiny and doing some work. Okay? Yeah. I'm totally wired. I totally wired. I'm totally wired. Can you say? Totally wired. 
You know, it would be awesome if uh, we could just talk to someone who worked directly with Marky Smith. I mean, yeah. To that get would a be sense for the man. Or any of these um, people. That would be and, great. And uh, I think... Oh, wait. I, did, <laughs> I know someone, actually. No. Yeah. I mean, he didn't... Yeah, I do know someone. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Douglas Kallmeyer. I'm just going to call him Douglas E. Kallmeyer because in the honor of... Marky e. Smith and now on everyone has I don't know, but it sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start calling I'm gonna call you Courtney E. And I'm Which Shane Parrish. Cool. Shane E. Parrish. Everyone's get everyone gets an E. You get an E. Courtney. You get an E. I'm the Oprah of E's middle initials. Okay, listen. <laughs> For real though, this guy Douglas E. Kallmeyer is gonna be on the show uh coming up. Uh spoke with him. We're gonna speak with him. Because I didn't already speak with him and record it. Uh, <laughs> I uh I'm introducing this and now we're going to go live to Douglas Kallmeyer, who is a sound engineer, big time sound mm. engineer, uh, lives in Washington, D.C. Oh, I got to tell you, my relationship to Doug is Doug also runs a record label called Versus Records in D.C. And he put out a record of mine like a year or so ago with a guitarist named Wendy Eisenberg. And they do a lot of interesting music. I got his CV here. Uh, he is ready to go to be your professional sound engineer. He's very techy, audio capture, video projection. He does a lot of video projection activist stuff. Mm -hmm. He's a super cool guy. He's very, like, pro he'll project stuff onto, like, the White House or the Trump Hotel, you oh, know, in yeah. D.C. and Are we stuff. supposed to tell and, uh, I don't know. I'm sure he's fine. I don't know. He puts it on social media. I'm sure he's <laughs> fine with this, us talking about it in this podcast. I don't know. He's like, but it is the Echo and the Bunny Man podcast. Yeah. Right? But uh, he's a commission-based soundtrack composer. He's a co-owner of a record label. He's a sole proprietor of Douglas Kallmeyer Music. He makes original music. He has a duo with Brendan Canny, drummer from Fugazi. You know, like... My favorite uh, band. Yeah, friends of the podcast. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's an engineer. He has uh, done international tour support for the band Blonde Redhead. He's done sound for, you know, Flaming Lips and Big Boy and just lots of artists. I don't know, different venues, lots of notable clients. Now, the other thing about Doug is he's a super affable, chill, interesting, funny guy. And so it's great that we get to talk to him about this because he's yeah. worked with The Fall, I guess, three times just doing sound for them when they came through D.C. And so... So that's kind of was the, I, I messaged him and I said, hey, dog, I'm doing, you know, my do this podcast and my wife and anyway, we're doing an episode about the fall. I saw your post and I thought it'd be fun to maybe talk to you about your experiences working with the band and Marky e. Smith. And he said, oh, absolutely. And so that's what's going to come up now is this conversation. Um, and I think you're really going to like it. He's a really great guest. I think we should have him again because also he's done sound for one of our recurring characters on this show. Uh, one... Um, oh yeah, uh, Julian Cope. Julie, yes. But anyway, it's kind of cool because, but Doug, yeah, he's the sound end of things, but he's also runs a record label and he's a musician and he has a sense for management. He's dealt with manage, you know, he knows. So he's. It's just great to get this other perspective on, on it. So, and so without further ado, Doug Kallmeyer. <laughs> Got it. All right, I'm avoiding a legal snag now by telling you that i'm recording okay um okay so basically here's the story uh you know we were um recording an episode of our you know podcast about echo and the bunnyman right 24 which is going to talk a lot about marky e. smith in the fall because he was really influential on 
Ian McCulloch and like kind of the aesthetic of the, the band and stuff. And they remained friends for his, you know, throughout their careers until, you know, Marky Smith passed. And, and, but in the midst of doing that, I was just putzing around on Facebook and I saw your post about <laughs> bands that you've uh, worked with. And I, and I guess I'll introduce you now. You're, this is Douglas Kalmeyer and you're, you know, a pro audio engineer, you're a sound engineer, lots of like pretty big time tours and stuff and have been doing it for a long time. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been very, very, very fortunate. So just put it that way. And, um, and so what of the acts that you mentioned amongst, uh, John McCain and, uh, I can't remember who else. Uh, <laughs> Julian Cope, John McCain, big boy from Outcast. <laughs> kind oh, of. Wait, did you say Julian Cope too? Yeah. Oh man, dude, we're gonna, we should, that's a whole nother conversation. Cause, uh, cause he comes up quite a bit in our podcast cause he was, uh, you know, on the Liverpool scene. Let's do that another time. That's going to be good. I'm going to come back to you for that. You might be a repeat guest. Sure, <laughs> um, sure. But but we, but anyway, so you mentioned the fall, and then someone wrote a comment that was like, Marky Smith, exclamation point. And you were like, oh, man, he was so difficult. To, uh, yeah, that and, was a nice way of putting what I said about him. But um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, that's just, you know, hip shot reaction to, to the yeah. man. I think that... Um, we were talking earlier about, you know, the music business and working with people and the kind of strains it can put on you. And and for creatives like him, because, you know, obviously he did have this, does, you know, did have this, this brilliance. Um, and I'm not, you know, I, I've listened to The Fall a lot and I, I love it. I love that kind of you know, post-punk, um, kind of like suicide, like the the flow of thought. It's like almost like these poets to this like kind of extreme beat music and stuff. Um, yeah. So, um, but, you know, I, I had the opportunity to work with him a few times later on in his career. Um, and with people like him, I mean, you know, what the only, you know, my reaction would be like, what a, you know, what a damaged man. Um, unfortunately, and it's, it, it makes me think about, you know, as, as someone who just dealt with him as much as I did, you know, you could say, oh God, he was an asshole. But like at the same time, you know, he's kind of a product of not only himself, but, you know, you get people like that and, you know, you get this expectation because before I'd ever worked with him, you know, I heard from people like, you know, he, and they started touring again and, um, you know, because I guess they hadn't been to the U.S. much or, you know, them and the head coats and all those groups started to kind of get popular again. All the white belt kids or whatever, like hipster kids wanted, oh, these guys are coming, you know. And, um, like, uh, you know, and the one thing was like, oh, he's coming. Oh, he's so fucked up. He's crazy, man. He's going to do crazy stuff. And it's like. For him to like, you know, you start, you know, these artists, they, they start to get this expectation of they're going to be that way or like cat power or somebody like that. You know, watch, she's going to break down and start crying and freak out, you know, and you, you hear more about that than like what they're really about. So they, they kind of probably end up getting this pressure to always push that extreme element of kind of what gained them their 
notoriety in the first place. Because um, performance is performance. You know, it's beyond beyond just writing and like, you know, his poetry, someone sitting in, in a house reading it out of a book might, you know, who never knew him might have a completely different view than he took it to the stage with the band and started doing that work. And so this, this, you know, as much as it's his fault for maybe em, em, embracing that heavily and just getting into drugs and, 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 you know, dealing with whatever the abuses are he endured in his life, if any, I don't know. I mean, I would imagine he was probably abused as a child the way he was. Um, yeah. You know, uh, well, I, once again, that's speculation. I have no idea. But well, I think he grew up really very, very poor, and, and there right. are stories of him kind of like as a small child having to go to like work with his father, and, uh, and kind of witnessing just kind of this sort of kind of grind of poverty. Um, yeah. But... Yeah. I mean that that kind of stuff. You know that affects people. Um, you know, and then he got into, you know, he got into the music scene and stuff like that, you know, and all the accoutrement that goes into that and all the, the dangers of that. And, um, you know, kind of turned him, you know, after a long time of exposure to that stuff, it, it, it you know, it obviously has its effects. And, um, you know, like meeting him, uh, you know, he was just like extremely standoffish you know i wasn't even really there except to do my functions which is fine you know i don't expect you know how many you were doing sound for the fall were these the shows yeah yeah they they, yeah i was doing sound as engineering at um uh house engineering at the black cat in dc and um they came through i was there three times they came through the first time um uh, another engineer, Nick Pelichotto, was um, he was doing house that night, but I was around for that show. Um, and then the subsequently, the next two times they came through, I was there. It was a two or three more times, maybe I guess. And I worked with them, and um, it was a little bit scary the second time. Well, the first time they came through, I think was the first time they had been to the U.S. in a long time. It was kind of a big deal. Um, so, you know, and everybody was all those, well, like I said earlier, all those hipster white belts, you know, uh, were, were like totally, you know, hyping it up. Everybody was really into it. And I was like, oh, okay, I got to check this out because, you know, I was a big, you know, public image limited fan and all that. But anyway, I love that repetitive kind of droney stuff with, with voiceover. Um, and um, a lungfish, I guess, would be kind of a local band. It's kind of almost the same. I mean, they're different, but kind of the same in approach in a way or suicide or whatever. Um, so, uh, you know, they they come in and they're, they're, they're doing the sound check and stuff and like he, you know, talking to Nick Pelichotto about it and like, you know, at one point during sound check, you know, he's moving, Nick goes to move a monitor, you know, and you know, he kind of bends over and I think Marky Smith was kind of probably already a little bit, you know, maybe he'd been imbibing in something and, you know, like Nick bends over to move this monitor and Mark kicks him in the ass. <laughs> Literally. Whoa kicks him in the ass like that is really wow you know that that's kind of yeah um and then showtime i yeah i mean nick was he talked to me about it he was pissed he said i'll never work with these guys again you know wow yeah and i mean even if you uh 
you know, and I, I get maybe, you know, maybe it was a scenario where they wanted the monitors move and then Nick, you know, bent over in front of the guy, you know, put his kind of ass at him. But I mean, you know, this is, just, I mean, this is, we're all working. That's what happens, you know, shit like right. that happens, you know, you you got to deal with it, you know, but um, so that was kind of weird. And then the later that night, the show's supposed to start happening and like the band's there and everything and Marky Smith is nowhere to be found, right? So like, and you got this sold out crowd in DC, which at that time, DC was still a kind of a wasteland. It was before, you know, everybody under 25 moved there. Um, you know, if you had 500 people at your show, that was everybody in DC and the surrounding area. Um, and this place is sold out. And, um, you know, everybody's waiting and waiting and waiting. And so finally the band comes out and starts, you know, starts playing, you know, and, you know, they're just playing the, the intro groove and you're like, 10 minutes go by, Whoa. 15 minutes go by, 30 minutes go by. And apparently Mark had come back in the back door and was down in the, was down in the, um, the green room. And once again, he, uh, who knows what he had been doing, um, you know, uh, either just mentally out of it, but, uh, you know, I would imagine he was imbibing in, in something. Uh, once again, I'm not going to speculate or talk bad like that, but, like, something was going on to the extreme. Um, and, uh, you know, he is down in the green room in the corner in a little ball, right? And it's been in a half at the Black Cat, the original Black Which is Cat. This is, like, down the hall. Yeah, this is, like, the, the night, late 90s. And he's down there in a little ball, kind of shaking... And, you know, Dante's like, Mark, you, you got to go on. You know, the band's been, you know, every 10 minutes since the band started, you know, Dante, the owner, Dante Ferrano's, you know, drummer from Iron Cross and all these bands and Grey Matter. He's down there. He's like, Marky, come on. You got to, you, you, you got to do this. You got to do this. And, and Marky's in the ball, go, oh, shaking. And Dante's like, you know, like last time, you know, half hour goes by. Dante goes down there. He's like, Mark, what's going on? Are we going to do this? And Mark. That looks daunting. Dante, Dante, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. And in this point upstairs, you know, the band's been doing their thing in a loop for a half hour, and people are starting to boo. Wow. Oh shit! And Dante's like, "All right, I'm gonna go up there and cancel it." And Dante goes up on stage. The band stops. Dante goes on stage, he goes to the mic and goes, he goes, all right, everybody, I have to tell you. And as soon as he says that, Mark jumps up on stage. <laughs> and then the show goes off, you know, and it's off the fucking charts, you know. Yeah, but that's amazing. It, yeah, it's, that's a classic kind of story, but it, it, it kind of attests, though, once again to, like, you know, the... the lifelong in that and like doing what he's done like the immense kind of pressures that can get to people like that and twist them you know twist them in areas yeah you know, drug addiction well, we were talking about you know in our, in our in our podcast discussion you know uh courtney and i were talking about how he claimed to, to be like work 18 hours a day you know on his art and i thought what the hell is he doing for 18 hours a day just being a being himself is his job you know and i guess in a way it's kind of like he was seems like he was so in it you know yeah that it was so yeah. all-consuming it wasn't just yeah like what's what's like what am, 
me working is he's like smoking a cigarette and like writing in his notebook or yeah having a, a meltdown or you know yeah like, and, yeah and once again i mean we're talking about what the the public sees and this what he's got at this persona he's got to be or this this expectation of you know to a degree and even though you know even saying you know completely fuck it to that is still kind of putting yourself in a frame of mind to deal with it so yeah. it's it's you know once again as you know as a performer and you know i've I've been a touring musician as well as an engineer my whole life. It's 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 a there's interesting pressures that that go with it and the way it can affect and, and and crack people and make them a certain way, make them kick strangers in the ass or you know yeah. get these these strange scenarios. Um, you know where, yeah, you know, uh, it's it's definitely riding the edge. But then again, you know, like. This is the public person, you know, uh, you know, otherwise, you know, privately, it's hard to say what he was like. I would imagine probably pretty damn deep conversations with that guy if you knew him personally, you know, like when when he's not having to front and can let that persona go for a minute, you know, let it let it down, you know, put it down and, and, you know. Or, or, or at least be able to forget about it and then get into that depth of conversation. So, you know, right. that, that I imagine, would be interesting. Um, yeah, so you can imagine, you know, by the time, you know, the, the second time came, came around that they were coming to play, I was fucking terrified. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but that went off pretty well. Um uh, you know, he kind of ignored me. The only thing I remember is I was miking up the drums, just the standard drum miking. Um, and he was watching me kind of from the side, just kind of super eyeballing me. And I was just doing your standard, you know, miking up the toms or whatever, you know. He, he was like, don't you know how to mic up a drum kit? You know, because I was taking a minute to do it. <laughs> And I was like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this drummer was like, he's doing fine. Leave him alone. And uh, um, I was like, yeah. And he's like, no, you're putting the mics too fucking close. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, back Jeez, to the off. And then I remember during the set, um, he did this both times, you know, the next couple of times, two or three times he was in, like, um, he would just start fucking with the drum mics while he was he was he was performing like during the show you know oh. he back the mics start fuck with the mics and the drummer would be going stop it stop it stop it and then he would <laughs> you know, what he would do it he would take the kick drum mic out for a tune and then put it back in wow. for a tune and then like take the mics on the toms and turn them upwards towards the cymbals <laughs> or back down towards the kit and I'm just But going, you know it's like almost like entirely like it could be like a weird fixation, or oh, maybe that's entirely calculated because that's how he wanted it to sound, you know? Yeah. They, they rehearsed. They rehearsed so intensely for right. this music that maybe doesn't sound, you know, that yeah. together or tight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything's yeah. so calculated. The whole the whole presentation. You know, it seems like almost like all those details, even the extra performance details of cowering in the green room, is almost like all par- part of the 
the presentation. Be, although I think that one was fucking for real because he didn't do that the next few times. And also, yeah, yeah. you know, subsequently, you know, um, like a lot of groups when they do that, you know, haven't been in years, come back over and this to this huge expectation and they do this thing. But, you know, then and then they like, OK, we're back on the, the circuit. So they do the circuit a few more times. But the next couple of times they don't quite have the turnouts which is good and bad. I mean, you know, a um, little bit of pressure off there. So maybe that alleviated some of that crazy right. panic nature that could, you know, manifest due to this every night cycle. Fuck, this is all sold out. I haven't done this in a long time. And this or this hasn't happened to me in this in a long time, at least in this country. And right. So, you know, having to do interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I did try to engage him after the first couple of times. Um, he really kind of didn't, wasn't really super interested, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, I remember I got him a coffee one time and almost had a conversation with him. Um, he was still very kind of short and gruff. Um, I'm trying to remember what we what we we kind of chatted about i think it just ended up being you know your idle kind of chit chat about the day and right. stuff like that you know um his personnel obviously changed every single time um right. except for yeah. his um partner kind of well i don't know if they were married he had his bricks, uh, bricks. yeah that's her um she was very 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 sweet she was very nice she was She's like kind of managing the, the affair keeping it yeah together it, she moderated everything and was a very, 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 very nice person to me. Um, I I can't imagine the kind of brutalism she, she had to put up with, but um, I guess that's love, you know. <laughs> or codependence or whatever it is, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know. I mean, we all, yeah. go, we all go through stages of that, you know, with, with things, so. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, yeah, so that's, you know, that's, I mean, that's, basically my my experiences with it and with the man and you know like yeah that's solid again, gold man i'm so glad to be able to talk yeah. to you about it and once again i think the the hip show oh the the last time i saw mark that's right i'll tell you about the last time i saw him um the last time i saw him alive was um i was in i was doing primavera sound in in barcelona uh-huh. um, with um blonde redhead and um, I remember we go in, I, I'm, I'm, we're checking in and then into the hotel that's kind of at the beachfront there that you checked in at that time for Primavera. And it's this massive lobby and it's, you know, full of musicians everywhere doing stuff and we're all checking in and stuff. And I look over and in comes Marky Smith, you know, with his group of people. You know, he's the first walks in the door behind him and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, what's going to happen now? You know, because that's kind of the expectation with the guy, right? Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, I'm like, oh, shit. And I kind of looked the other way because I kind of like, I don't really want to engage right now because he kind of looked in a bit of a mood, to be honest, you know. But he always kind of did. But that highly knitted brow and, you know, working his jaw kind of like, you know. And he comes in and I'm like talking to the guys and then about five minutes later, I just hear this ding, 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 slam, slam, slam. And he's like at the front and he's slamming his fist down and like 
smashing the little bell and he takes it and throws it on the floor and starts screaming at the bell people. Oh my gosh. And I was like, oh fuck, I'm out of here. Like, oh God, I'm out of here. So like, yeah, unfortunately, yes. True to his form, that was the last time I saw the man alive. And um, wow. I, I hope once again, it's, it's, it's easy to say, well, you know, he's an asshole, but there's so much that goes on with artists like that and expectation and the stresses that they endure that, um, yeah, I don't know. I just hope that his, um, passing was easier than his life was for him. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's wonderful. We, we're not looking to, yeah, to, to trash the guy. You know what I mean? We're, I think that you're, you know, I think it's, uh, it's just telling the tale, you know, of this person who, yeah, kind of yeah. left the mark and and uh, yeah, I can only imagine, you know, like I mean, I got the light end of the stick there, you know. The, oh yeah, yeah. Like, I I I didn't get any super scars, you know, but I'll never for, forget that man. Um, yeah, and the the and when he was performing the sheer intensity, you know. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I mean, like strive to always be that intense but maybe yeah. be a little nicer too yeah why not why not <laughs> <laughs> could try yeah. i mean we're all um we all have uh, assholes um yeah. uh, you know so you know it's uh how we manage them i guess you know yeah 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 well thank you so much yeah my my, my pleasure um you know douglas kallmeyer Thanks for being on our podcast. Um, I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording right now. Yeah. First of all, what a storyteller. He, he really uh, fits in nicely with the kind of the, the panel of guests that we've had on this show. We've been really fortunate. Every, everyone's been really wow. interesting and from these different perspectives, you know. Totally. Mm. I don't think we were off the mark. Nothing. Get it? <laughs> off, off the mark. Um. Yeah. But that corroborated with my you know my idea of who he was your notion yes 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 i wasn't surprised you know to hear that he was to imagine him having the breakdown is you know in the green room i mean dante dante i just can't dude i mean i do not (laughs) judge at all like that would be me every night not on any side just being like i just don't think i can do this yeah that's, At least in my head, I would. Be, it is a lot of pressure, man. And like, but I love oh, that perspective. God. Like, Doug's got a, he's got like a, like a very meta perspective on it all. Like, you understand, oh, like you know, when they first came and everyone was excited, and then they mm-hmm. came back through a few other times, and then the circuit kind of slows down and the pressure's not as intense. You know, that's a kind of interesting. That's a very like like, um, you know, generous and and sort of like just like em- empathic sort of perspective to have about what you know what the artist might be going through 
But working with someone who understands the temperament of artists, even though that sounds really annoying because you're just like, well, fuck you, artists, you get to be an asshole. But like who like has some sympathy for yeah. this, the pressures that they're under and whatever like trauma they might have experienced and all this, you know, like just and then can work with that and negotiate right. like, uh, you know, communication between them and the club or them and the, you know, like just work i don't know just engineering like because recording engineering too where it's like you have to deal with all these like tensions and egos and stuff you know it's like it's just an interesting sort of it's a talent that also needs to be on the cv you know that they, yeah. that they need to possess in order to to work in that field it's not just your talented technician you're also like a psychologist yeah he definitely has the gift you know well thank and, you doug um this will be the episode that like someone like files a suit against us <laughs> i know <laughs> okay but we're not gonna get in trouble no no we're not because this okay this is a guy who said that he felt proud and as though he had really accomplished something if people upon seeing him walking down the street uh-huh crossed the street and walked on the other side this is a guy who doesn't want to be remembered as like kindly you know as a friendly right diplomatic you know this is the persona he projects so vehemently onto the world formally about the connection between the fall and the McCulloch. And let's let's do that through the lens of um, Ian McCulloch, the King of Cool, because nobody really breaks down that connection like Mick Middles. Mick Middles. Mick oh, Middles. I love Mick Middles. I'm so excited that he's back. I know. He... Um, we should get him on the show. I would love to. I've never disagreed with anything that he has written or said. I would love to have him. All right. And why does he spend so long talking about the fall? Mick Middles wrote a book about the fall. I know. Called The Fall. <laughs> we need to get that book. Mick Middles has written 24 books. Yeah. There's so many books I want. Who else has he written it? He wrote a book about Ian Curtis from Joy Division. Mm-hmm. Fact, he wrote a book about Factory Records. Yeah. Uh, another a book about from Joy Division and New Order. <laughs> he's like really Stone Roses. And he's from Manchester. He wrote a book about the Arcade Fire. Huh. Weird. And Oasis. Well, I'm telling you what. He uh, he wrote this chapter, and he's so modest about bringing it in because he's like, please forgive me, but. It is relevant because I was kind of here when this happened and when this happened because he was a big fall fan. Right, clearly. The man wrote two books about that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's his favorite. He didn't write two about Ian McCulloch, you know? Yeah. Um, but he, so he was there for some of their meetings, and he really conveys, you know, what is conveyed in, in any interview that you Google or whatnot about, you know, Marky Smith and 
Ian McCulloch is that they, you know, had a mutual respect. And they really seemed, you know, to bond in this way that's rather touching. Um, so he quotes Ian McCulloch as saying, I had never seen a band like The Fall. They changed everything for me, said McCulloch. I mean, there was something incredibly poetic about them. There was such a power in Mark's words and the way he would spit them across and totally disregard his audience. It was endlessly fascinating. Okay, and then there was like, the gigs were small, and he was this big talent in a small hall. Um, So those are two things that are gonna kind of stick with him, that you should be able to walk around in your hometown and like sit in a pub and be accessible to some degree and not put on airs. And that also when you're performing, that you should have a disregard for the audience mm. and not pander. You know, yeah. that's like a big tenet of his. Yeah. We've been that's kind of a, the big takeaway of the episode and his influence. But you know, so he so we're gonna hear Mick Middle's impressions of uh, of meeting Mac and Julian. So apparently, apparently when Marky Smith tells McMiddles about these two guys from Liverpool. He describes them as good lads. These are good lads, okay? All right? All right. And he, this made him pay attention. Okay. Because Marky Smith, he never calls anybody a good lad. No. Nope. You know what I'm saying? When have you ever heard him say that? Uh, I have never heard him say that. Mm-mm. No. So, you know, like, he appreciates the no bullshit, you know? That is... Deeply appreciated. Yeah, and so, he, so that means that Julian features Coke, no bullshit. He did even at that age, yeah. right? And you wouldn't have thought because he talks about you wouldn't have thought that he would be taken with this guy who looked like he came out of a salon every single day, was obsessed with Bowie, which is kind of an the antithesis of the fall in a strange way. There's some kind of symmetry between them. Yeah, but, yeah. But he was not a Bowie fan. He thought Bowie was you know, bullshit, I think. Pop music or... Pop music, exactly. Or just, yeah. And Ian was way into that. And then Julian, you wonder if he'd just be like, uh, now, you know, just kind of a too gregarious and yeah theatrical. So Marky Smith liked Julian Cope as well? He did yeah. at that time. Now, he likes I think those he, guys. I think maybe he favors Ian because he did say that... Um, Julian Cope, like he ran into him in like some kind of train car or something and he was having tea and he was putting on airs and he mm-hmm. seemed... Kissing his ass or something. Yeah, or just, you know, playing a character maybe. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> that yeah. was my... He was be okay. trying to be too cool. Yeah. Ian doesn't do this, apparently. Right. He's always just... Yeah. He's himself. He is himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... And so also Mick Middle says that these guys seem like shy and academic. Mm. But he realized they're not academic <laughs> at all. Yeah, they I guess came that's off true. as students. That's true. And then you're like They're no. poets. Right. You would think they were in college, but they weren't. Um, sea stream for life, baby. So Ian and Julian would watch every single show and like go on tour with them and like can I carry your bass, you know? I think that's what being a roadie is. Okay, like, yeah. Can I carry your guitar to the stage? It's more just like, uh, 
like when people say they're going on tour with the Grateful Dead, <laughs> it means they're just uh, like going to be in the parking lot and yeah. at the show. And <laughs> right. Yeah, but you yeah, and you're just going to be more prominent because it's not. You're going to be in in the entourage. I think you could just situate yourself amongst bands back in those days. So he's also learning about music from Marky. He's got, uh, you know, Patti Smith and Can and Beefheart are kind of entering. And I think Lou Reed was, that's how he kind of found out about him and fell in love with him. Okay. So there is this beautiful passage um, in the Mick Middles book where, you know, he talks about uh, they're hanging out in this, like, working class flat, which was basically like this old Victorian house where Marky Smith lived in Salisbury or Pratt with or whatever it is. And it's like a Victorian home or, you know, set of houses that were like once, you know, these from the cotton mill, from the cotton industry, these grand I don't know what they're called. Houses or whatever they call them in England. And now, all right, uh-huh. now they're just kind of like these old, decrepit, smoke-filled rooms. And this is where Marky Smith hangs out with Kay Carroll and Una. Mm. All right? Mm-hmm. And there's a passage where Mick Middles basically writes a script um, where he talks about this exchange between Marky Smith and uh, and Ian McCulloch, and although it's only four lines, I feel like we just need to act it out. It has to be. All right, let's do it. Okay. All right. All right. Give the people what they want. That's. I mean, that's what we got to do. It's our job. It's written here like a script, so you're going to be, um, I'll be Ian, as always. Okay. And you can be Marky Smith. All right. So he's looking around um, for, he's looking around for cultural hints, uh, Ian McCulloch, and he's looking at Marky Smith's record collection, and he's just, you know, completely transfixed, and he would say things like, Mark. Mark. Oh, no, that's me. What? I'm Ian. Oh, sorry. So, so he would be like, Mark, what is it about Ken that is so special? What is it? It's just a fucking record, Ian. Just fucking <laughs> listen. Yeah, but do you regard this as post-punk music or that... Etc. Ian, just relax. <laughs> and see. Okay. All right. This Thanks for be... listening to this episode of. So that's his little. That's that's like that's a conversation they would have. No, that's true though. I mean, look, that's like you know what that is. What's that? That's like Susan Sontag, man. You know, it's an erotics of art. She's like enough with the interpretation of art. Yeah. Quit trying to in install your meaning into it by historicizing and psychologizing and in- installing your meaning into it like bruce lee says just let it <laughs> don't think over you. just feel it 
So what else about the fall? I mean, what else influenced? What else was an influence to Ian? Why? Yeah. What are the other connections? What uh, else did he take from his buddy Mark? Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, like overcoats. He he took his coat and put it on the cover. He borrowed a coat from Marky Smith, uh-huh. and you can find it on the cover of Crocodiles. What? Never gave it back. It's a long running joke wow. between them. Okay. They're like, oh, no you way. still got my coat, right. and he's like, yeah, you know. Oh, still. interesting. So they were friends. For... They stayed friends. Okay. I mean, I don't know what would have happened if they were on a desert island together, and if you know one of them would well, have eaten the other. But uh, they yeah. have this deep mutual care for okay. each other publicly you know it's like the only person that ian that he ends a contemporary of that he doesn't talk shit about mm. except to like rasm right well i guess that's everybody yeah he there's a different reverence with, with which he treats marky smith and vice versa mm-hmm. you know i could read quotes but just take my word for it mm. i will google <laughs> or you can i google will do that google i will take one. your word for it <laughs> All right. As always. As, you know, everyone. Uh, but not everyone should, you know. So if you have anything to add or correct, you know, you know where to find me. All right. The, our corrections department <laughs> will address your <laughs> comment, yeah. commentary. Uh, yeah. Shortly. <laughs> I know. Send corrections, too. We're going to have a separate email separate for the corrections. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah you know but what he says about mac is that mac is just mac okay he was never he was never being affected or yeah put in any, hey no what bullshit. you see is what you get what you, what see, you see is what you, is what you, you get, get that's kind of like you you know yeah I, i'm i just consistent i'm gonna say this though all right, here's a, th- here's a quote for you. Okay. All right, this is from The Guardian, and it's an interview with Briggs, um, where okay. she was being interviewed by Laura Snapes. Okay, recently? Uh, kind of, yeah, when he died, which was, oh, yeah. you know. Because I know that name, because she's like currently the music editor of The of the Guardian. Oh, really? Yeah. And you know, yeah, because you know things I about mean, I just, music like, business, because you're in it. I forget oh, that. I mean, I'm, That's why you're here, Shane. That's why you're here, man. So she kind of starts off by saying, like, this is my husband. Like, you didn't know this person to the millions of people who were like, he was such an asshole. <laughs> she says, you know, you didn't know him. I was his fucking wife. She didn't say it. She didn't drop the F-bomb. Uh-huh. She is a lady. Yeah. But this is what she says. Listen to this. Deep down, he was a door opening, bag carrying, sweet gentleman. Oh, creating at a high level, you're bound to get seriously complex and intelligent people. Um, And then she goes on to say, he may have blamed other people for his misery, but at the end of the day, he was the cause of his own misery. He put himself in those situations because that was from where he created. So you could not have these creations without his hardship his trauma, you know, that he continued to put himself through. But I got to say, I mean, I'm glad to hear that he was a door opener and a bag carrier. Yeah. And I kind of figured he was because she, yeah. she wouldn't have hung out otherwise. I wonder what this man's like, like kind of medical condition is. <laughs> this is what I think, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Like, does he have like ulcers and constipation and stuff? You know, like, like seriously, he's got. I know what you mean. You look at him and you see various ailments. But like, maybe I'll he be just like, kind of like, but he just kind of plowed through it. Like he never once went to the doctor. <laughs> he just kind of, he just. Was... And he started looking ill, right out of the gate. Yeah. But he lived a pretty long time. Yeah, sure. For. For what I've very high strung person. <laughs> um, huh. So I think that's a good way to kind of end this episode. Yeah. Shane, Shane's takeaway. <laughs> it's like Shane's perspective is, what's wrong with this guy? You know? And that's kind of what we need to all ask ourselves. What's the matter, Mark? Okay. <laughs> Why are you so upset? What's his, what's his hardship? I don't know, man. Like it's a, medical. It's like it's a, the medical you're like, about you're like, it. He's like a mid-level indie <laughs> star. You're fine. I know, man. What do you totally. got to do? Smoke God, some cigs and okay. like shout at the microphone? Break. A brilliant career. I just feel like over here in the States, mad respect for that band. Yeah. No one hates that. No one's like, Fall sucks, man. He's got all the... Everyone. Everyone loves the Fall. Everyone who hears them. To know them is to love them. You know, that's the secret that no one really talks about. But And it's poppy. I'm going to go listen to them right now. Yeah, me too. I didn't in separate really, rooms, in though. We're going to listen to different this. albums in separate rooms. Yeah. We're going to just put our headphones on. <laughs> we do what album songs. are you going to listen to? I, you know, I'm just going to kind of go. I'm going to start at the top again. Just go work my way With down. the wild, wonderful world of the fall. Yep. And Is that what it's called? What's it called? It's wonderful and frightening. You know, it is. And I just want to say, the fall, check, did that one. Oh, yeah, and we did it. We, that's an episode. We fell. One day, <laughs> we'll talk about Echo and the Bunny's <laughs> first album. Um, as we well, approach our... Apocalyptic. Oh, as the apocalypse it, ensues. As we approach the dissolution of the United States of America. R.I.P. Good riddance. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Um, all right, well, bye now. Bye now. It's going on. Let's get the hell out of here. Let's get the hell out of here. Going on. So you can write us a letter. Obviously, we love a letter. Echo in here podcast at gmail.com. Gmail.